Thank you for taking the time to listen to the sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this, you are challenged by the Word of God, you are built up in love, and that you are drawn more to the person and work of Jesus Christ. We want to remind you, this is never meant to substitute God's good plan for you to be present in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you do live in the North Toronto area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to join us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. Our desire is that God would use this to encourage you with the hope we have in Jesus. Hey guys, you can open your Bible to Isaiah 53. We're going to be in that passage today as we think about Good Friday. There's lots of things in our life that we describe as good. We call, uh, we talk about good food. When we enjoy a meal, we say that was good. When we have a good vacation, we say that was a good time away. When there's good leaders, we describe them as people who we can trust. We talk about good artists. We talk about good athletes, people who can do things with their, their body that we just don't expect to be so easy. We talk about good students. And then we talk about this thing called Good Friday. Now, it's called Good Friday because many years ago, the one who is truly good did what he always does. That is Jesus Christ. And what he did was he served us. And Isaiah 53 is going to show just how much uh, he did that. Now, 700 years before it happens, Isaiah predicts that Jesus would do this thing for us, that he would make the ultimate sacrifice. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. When I was growing up, I thought it was called Good Friday because that was just the day you got bun and cheese and fried fish. Now, when we t- take in this passage, when we slow down and and look at it, we are going to see so clearly why we call this day Good Friday. The outline for our message today is in a sentence. And here's the first part of our sentence. Jesus was wounded for our sin. He was wounded for our sin. Look at verse 5 of Isaiah 53. It says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquity. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. Verse 6, the, the second half says, and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. That word pierce should uh, should remind us of the way the, the nails went through his hands and his feet. The word crushed should remind us that Jesus was falsely accused, that he was abandoned by everyone, that those he trusted, those he, he thought would he expected to be there with him to the end. He was, he was beaten in such a horrible way. He was mocked. The people at the cross laughed at him. The people at the cross gambled for his clothes. They didn't take seriously at all what was going on. They even they were yelling, saying, save yourself. Come down if you are the son of God. They mocked him. He was betrayed by his, some of, by his closest friend. And on the cross, he experienced the full wrath of God. The, the word wounds, what it does is that it summarizes. It's this all-encompassing word. It summarizes all that Jesus experienced in his body and the pain that he experienced in going through this all alone. And Isaiah tells us that when the people saw 
uh, him or the people would see him hanging on the cross, they would think that it was for his sin. Look at, look at verse four. It says, it says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. Isaiah says that when the, when the people see, would see Jesus hanging there, they would think that was because he had sinned somehow, that he was being punished by God. It says, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God. They thought God was punishing him for some sin that he committed. But Jesus committed no sin. Jesus did nothing wrong. He was perfectly sinless his entire life. Hebrews 4 verse 15 says, he was tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus experienced every temptation you and I experience now, and he never gave into it once. Uh, Luke 23, verse 13 to 15 says, Pilate then called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people and said to them, you brought me this man as one who was misleading the people. And after examining him before you, behold, I did not find this man guilty of any of the charges against him. Neither did Herod, for he sent him back to us. He has done nothing deserving, uh, deserving death has been done by him. He says, look, nothing deserving death has been, been done by him. Jesus, even Pilate, says, I, 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 I examined him. I, I, I looked and he, we found nothing. He did not deserve to die, yet he did die because of us. In the text, it says that it says that it was the iniquity of us all that had him there, that that it was our transgression. Jesus died for the way you and I disregard God, for the way you and I reject the rule of God over our life, for the way you and I trust our own wisdom, the way you and I trust the wisdom of the culture to try to sort things out and live life. He died because of us. See, like a substitute teacher, Jesus took our place. And the the hymn, How Deep the Father's Love for Us, it it gets this right. It says, it was my sin that held him there. It was my sin, your sin, that held him there. And, And this is not divine child abuse like our atheist friends try to say. They're they're wrong. See, what we have on the cross is, is the willing, suffering servant. Jesus willingly took our place. Mark 10, verse 45 says, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus says, I didn't come for you to serve me. Those, that would be right, because I am your Lord. But I came so to serve you and to give my Life is a ransom for many so that many people would be saved. Many people would be rescued from sin. John 10, 17 to 18 says, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one, look at this, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. Jesus gave his life so that you and I could have the opportunity at life. 
So that, so that when we place faith in him, you and I can live the abundant life, a life that pleases God, a life that glorifies God, a life that helps and blesses those who are around us. He says, no one takes my life. I lay it down. He willingly gives it of my own accord. He sees the authority that he has. He sees it as this is an opportunity for me to serve, to use power in the right way, to use power in such a way that it blesses other people. He takes it as an opportunity to serve. And so today, you and I must remember, we, we have to remember that Jesus took my place. And what this should do when we remember this is that it should build in us this humility. It should build in us this reality that we have no business being people who are self-righteous. The Christian cannot be self-righteous. The Christian cannot look down at those who don't share their faith because we know when we look at the cross, when we think about Jesus Christ, we, we realize just how much it took for him to save us, what it cost him for us to be counted righteous in Christ, that he took my place, that he was wounded for our sins. And here uh, is how we benefit. Isaiah is going to show just how we benefit. It says, it says, but he was, verse five, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. See, we benefit because, because Jesus was wounded for our sin. Here's the second half of our sentence. So we could be healed. So we could be healed. This is how we benefit. And you're like, maybe you're wondering now, what did we need? What did Marv need to be healed from? What did I need? What did, what did we need to be healed from? We needed to be healed from prideful independence. Prideful independence. We needed to be healed from the, from the reality that we all tend to trust ourselves, that we think we know better than God. Look at verse 6. It says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. A verse like this helps us understand our culture, understand our world. See, there are lots of things in our world that are good. There's good books and that we enjoy. We, there's good technology. Right now, technology is making it so that I can sit here in my basement at home and, and teach the Word of God and encourage you, Lord willing, in your faith through what you hear. Techno technology is a good thing. We have doctors who are helping us through this time that we're in, helping nurse people back to health, uh, uh, nurses who are giving their time, putting themselves at risk, good hospitals who are caring for people in this season. There's lots of good things in our culture, but there's also some very bad things. We've seen genocide. People have lived through Jim Crow laws. We've seen broken families. We see that our culture is, is very sexually confused. We, we see that there's sexual violence is all around us. And all of this is because of this verse. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to our own way. Human beings do not like being told what to do. 
We are convinced that we know best, that we know what is best for ourselves. And this is not new. This is not a new reality for us. This is an old habit. See, kids pick up habits from their parents. And we pick this habit up from our first parents, Adam and Eve. They looked at God and they said, we know better than you. They believe that lie, that we, we can do this ourselves. that we do not need you. See, all of us are like Frank Sinatra. We all want to, like that brother's thing, I did it my way. But here's the thing, when we do it our way, we make a mess of things along the way. We make a mess of our life. Notice in the text that we're compared to sheep who get lost. It says, all we like sheep have gone astray. See, when we turn from God, we go astray. We get lost. We make a mess of life and, and nothing good comes. When we turn from God, what we do is we turn to the wrong path. That word iniquity, where it says that he has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That word iniquity, the Hebrew word means to deliberately choose a crooked path. It's to deliberately choose a path that is, that is wrong. You know, sometimes I'll say, uh, and maybe you say this too, you know, yesterday I just fell into sin. And we talk about sin as if like sin is this pothole that pops up out of nowhere. But this verse, what it does is that it shows us that no one falls into sin. You and I, what we do is we choose to sin. We intentionally choose a crooked path. James 1 verse 14 to 15 says, Each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. It says, Then desire, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin. And watch this. And sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. We choose to sin. And this verse, what it does is that it reminds us of that that when we choose to sin, that we put ourselves in danger. That sin, it brings forth death. If we are, are not repenting of that sin. And all people do this. All people, you see it in the text. The, the word all opens and closes verse 6. It says, all we like sheep have gone astray. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. All people do this. And this is what we need healing from. This, 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 this prideful independence. And here's the thing. Here's, here's the blessing for us today. Jesus did what was necessary to heal us, to rescue us. First Peter says, he himself bore his sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. When we come to faith in Christ, now we are called to, to kill our flesh, die to sin, not to give into it. We owe nothing to the flesh. We are called to live to righteousness now. It says, by his wounds, you have been healed. For you were straying like what? Like sheep. But now have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. We were straying like sheep, Peter says. Notice that what Isaiah predicts, Peter picks up. Isaiah predicts this and then Peter picks it up and says that it was fulfilled through Jesus Christ. See, 
The Bible is one complete story. It is not a bunch of random facts all stuffed together. It's one complete story, and you and I need to read it this way. Now, I know that reading the Word of God is not easy. That there are some places that we get to and it is confusing. There are some places we get to and it's and it's and we're like, what? What is happening? And it's frustrating at times, but we can we can do it as hard as it can be. We're not gonna hide that fact that sometimes reading the word is tough, but as hard as it can be, we can do it through the strength of the Holy Spirit. As we ask Him to help us, to show us what is going on, to open our eyes, to open our hearts, to make us be a people who are prepared uh, to to follow the word of God after he shows us what is going on there. And when we do that, when we pray and ask for the Spirit's help, what what happens is we learn a lot. We learn a lot. Here are some things. In, the, in Genesis, in the story of Joseph, we, we, when we read through that book, what we learn is that God works all things for our good. When we read through Leviticus, when we buckle in and put in the hard work uh, in that book, what we learn, we, when we get to Leviticus 19 and other places, we learn how much God wants us to love our neighbor, that he cares about the poor and how we treat them. In Exodus 35, we learn that God wants us to do things with skill and with excellence, that how we do things matter, that beauty matters to him. In Judges 6, in the story of Gideon, we learn that God is okay with us expressing our frustration, expressing our confusion, even saying to him, it feels like you're not here, God, at all, helping us, just being honest with him. In Numbers, we learn the challenges of leadership. And we, as we watch Moses trying to lead a very difficult group of people, we also learn that leaders can fall. We learn that, that, through that as we see Moses give in to his, his anger and the consequences that comes to his life because of that. In Deuteronomy 6, we learn that God wants parents to teach their children about him and who he is and his character, to, to have the home be a place where the Bible is open and children are taught about God. In, in Joshua, we see that God, through the, when we look at the story about Jericho, we see that God saves his people in some, in some really strange ways sometimes, that he gives victory in ways that we are not expecting. In the prophets, we learn that sin has real consequences and that God does not want us to neglect the poor and that if we don't repent of sin, that judgment comes. In the book of Jonah, shows us that God is merciful, that he wants to give unbelievers a chance to repent and that he sends people to give them that chance and that he gives second chances. In Job, we learn that suffering sometimes comes out of nowhere and that the people around us, the people who are our friends, sometimes they don't even say, they say things that are not helpful. They, they say things that almost intensify the hurt, but that through endurance and trusting the Lord that we can be restored. In the Psalms, we learn that the people of God go through a range of experiences and that we we can pray to God and cry out to him and ask him for help in all those times. In Proverbs, we learn the practical ways that God wants us to live and the way that our life is blessed when we live by that wisdom. In Acts, we see the power of the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers, that when they trust him, that that God works in powerful ways 
through our dependence on the Spirit. In the epistles, we learn about our identity in Christ and the way God wants us to live and behave as a church in this culture. In the Gospels, we see the compassion and humility of Jesus Christ and his loving sacrifice and care for those who are around him. In Revelation, we see, though that book can be so confusing, we see that no matter what, God will make all things right in the end. That he will make all things right and that we should be filled with hope no matter the circumstance, no matter the time, no matter the struggle. And that's why 2 Timothy 3 says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God or woman may be complete, equipped for every good work that when i when i settle in and read the story as one complete story not skipping over doing my best through the power of the spirit's help to go through those difficult spots i will be equipped i will be made complete and i'll be ready the word of god will get me ready for every good work when we see the word as a complete story we learn so much and what we learn in this text that we're in is that through the work of Jesus Christ that we are healed and being healed. Here are some of the ways our relationship with God is healed. It says upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. That speaks about a peace coming between us and God. This relationship that was broken through the work of Christ is now restored and biblical peace just so we know biblical peace does not mean everything in my life and in the world is always peaceful biblical peace means that there's peace between me and god biblical peace means that their peace can come between me and others as we confess and repent and seek forgiveness from god and from one another peace can come into our life in our relationship with god and in our relationship with one another and I just want to say that there's a word here for the non-Christian. And it's that peace can come to your life today. And it comes by believing the gospel. Peace between you and God can come by believing that Jesus Christ died in our place, that we sinned against God and that we needed rescue, and that he did what was necessary to rescue us and save us. And when we believe that, this peace comes between us and God as our relationship is restored. And so you need to know, unbeliever, those who are not trusting in Christ, that if you trust in Christ right now, peace with God can come and healing can begin in your life. Through our relationship uh, with Jesus Christ, our, there's healing in our relationship with God. We're also healed spiritually. We're healed spiritually because we're given a new heart, a heart that wants to do what pleases God, a heart that wants to honor what God has said because my heart of stone is removed and I'm given a heart of flesh and a new identity and the spirit comes to reside in me and so I long to do what brings glory to God. We're healed legally. We're given complete forgiveness. My bad record is taken by Jesus Christ and I'm given his good record and I'm counted righteous in Christ. I am justified. We're also healed emotionally through prayer. I no longer have to be just led by my feelings. When I'm anxious, when I'm fearful, I can go to God in prayer and that when I, when I cast my anxieties on him because I know that he cares for me, peace comes to my heart and life because I know he is on it and he is going to help me in his perfect way and in his perfect 
timing. We're healed also relationally. When we're saved, we're rescued and we're brought into the family of God. And we're brought into the church, this community of faith that, yes, yes, can be very messy sometimes. Yes, we hurt each other sometimes. But it is this place that when we're forgiving one another, that when we're, when we're, when we're intentional to confess and work things through to say that unity is so important, we're going to hold on to the unity that the Spirit is creating. We're going to do what is necessary. When we do that, it's a beautiful place. It's a place that shines a bright light as we support each other, as we extend grace to one another, and as we seek to encourage one another when we're discouraged and down. We're healed relationally, brought into the family of God. And then we're healed physically. Now, this happens for some people now, but it will happen for all of us in the next life. It says that when we see him, we will be made like him. That is the doctrine of glorification. It's going to happen for all of those who are trusting in Jesus Christ. If, if you've ever wondered why we call this day Good Friday, this tells us why. For all these reasons, all made possible because of the grace of the Son of God, the, the willing, suffering servant who died in my place. See, Christianity is not about what we do for Jesus. It starts and ends with what Jesus Christ has done for us. It's not about what I do for Jesus Christ. It's about what he has done for me. And that's why the poet George Herbert said this about him, and he, he nails it. He says, thou art my loveliness, my life. Jesus Christ is my life. He is our life if we're trusting in him, my light. Jesus brings light to my life. I see things clearly. I see my world clearly. I see myself clearly. I see him clearly. I see what he's doing in me clearly, what he's, what he's promised to me clearly beauty alone to me beauty alone to me he gave his life so we could have life and have it abundantly it was a hard day for him because of my sin because of your sin our sin but it has brought we can we see here from the text beautiful results to our life it led to our rescue and our, and our healing in my place. Jesus died in my place to give me back what I gave up. Life and healing with my Father. A healing relationship, a healed relationship that I gave up. He gave up his life so I could have this back. And on this Good Friday on this Good Friday, let's remember His grace to us. If you've experienced His grace, I want you to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, who gave His life so that we could have life, who rescued us, who 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 was wounded for our sin so that we could be healed. I pray on this day, O oh Lord, we would see just how much we have been healed in our, in our promised healing in the future. I pray, Lord God, that you would help us to uh, be so in awe of your Son 
for his willing sacrifice, your suffering servant, who Isaiah predicts would do this, and then he comes and does it, who gave his life for, for a ransom for many. Lord, we are part of that many, and we give you thanks, and we glorify you, and we praise you, Lord God, for your grace to us, the grace of your Son. We pray it all because of his powerful name. We pray it to you, Lord God, now because of the access we've been given by Jesus Christ, your Son, to you. We pray this in his name. Amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit HopeTorontoNorth.com.